So I was actually on, I collected unemployment for one month. And uh, I'll never forget when I called back in the unemployment office to let them know that I got a job. And they, they asked me, well, where'd you get a job at? And I, I let them know, you know, with senior insurance solutions, I'm going to go start selling insurance. So she said, okay, well, what's your projected income for, for this year? And I said, well, I plan on making at least $100,000. And the lady laughed. Plan to fail so you won't. Production will solve all your problems. Some will, some won't. Stop whining, so what? Just hit your weekly production goal. The weekend starts now. Our podcast this week is with Dion Lasoli. In March of 2011, Dion changed the course for the rest of his life. Tired of being controlled by his job, long hours, and financial hardships were taking a toll on him and his young family. Their two daughters were growing up fast, and he wasn't around as much as he wanted to be. Wanting to do something to get out of the rat race and take control of his current situation. Dion decided to venture out of his job and found a career in the insurance industry. With no prior sales experience or knowledge of the business, he quickly obtained his life insurance license. The comprehensive one-on-one training leads-based marketing, and overall agency support put him on the fast track to success. Dion made his first sale in April of 2011. The success that followed earned him Father of the Year and a six-figure income. Dion has been able to spend more time with family and have a better quality of life while helping others with their final expense needs. His business has grown every year since. Dion lives in Omaha, Nebraska with his wife and four children, is an active member of Holy Cross Parish, and currently sits on the board of directors for Senior Insurance Solutions. Most of all, Dion is more active in his children's lives than anyone could ever imagined. Welcome, Dion Lasoli. All right. Good morning and welcome. Uh, thanks for coming on with us. But um, how many uh, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Well, I have three brothers and two sisters. Uh, one, one brother is deceased about uh, coming up on four years now. So six total in your family. Uh, did this have any effect on uh, how big you wanted your family to be? Uh, definitely. Um, you know, I always wanted to have a big family. My wife and I have four kids, so not not six, but I think we're going to stop there. And, uh, yeah, I definitely feel like the bigger family, the better opportunities and just uh, more fun. You know, I'm all about family, so... I, I do enjoy having the four kids, and yeah, I'd say that had a, a positive effect on wanting to have a big family. What is breakfast like in your house? Um, I'm a little new to this this whole dad thing. I've only got two kids at the moment, and breakfast is hectic every morning, so I can't imagine what it's like with four. Yeah, let me tell you, Tuck, it's a blast, buddy. It. Uh, you would, you would think you were at a concert or something around here. It's pretty loud. I've got three daughters, so they're always fighting over, uh, you know, someone stole someone's brush or whatever. And uh, But, you know, usually I'll get home from the gym and uh, fire up uh, some eggs for everybody. And, you know, we'll sit down and eat breakfast as a family. That's one thing that we do that I notice a lot of people don't do anymore is, you know, whenever we're eating meals, we're eating them together. We're around the table. And so... 
that's uh, it, it's fun, but yeah, it's it's complete chaos. You, you it's only going to get worse for you, Tucker. That's but fun. It's a good. It's a that's good fun. All right. Uh, what was your childhood like? Uh, what did your parents do? Where did you live? You know, well, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, you know that, but nobody else does. But uh, I grew up about six blocks from where my wife and I currently reside. I've never lived anywhere further than eight blocks from my childhood home. My folks are still there. Um, you know, growing up, uh, my family has been involved in, uh, you know, restaurant business for you know my whole life restaurant or bar slash restaurant uh you know when i was a kid my folks had a place uh in the old market a popular area here in downtown omaha and so you know we all went to a private school uh somewhat close to downtown so every day after school we'd walk downtown omaha and head to my parents bar and grill and hang out and you know that was kind of an interesting childhood as far as uh being around all the business type and you know it's completely different nowadays i i barely let my kids you know walk four blocks without being able to communicate with them or whatever and you know, when we were growing up kind of did whatever you wanted to do as long as you were home by the time the street lights came on so um mom my mom uh did a lot as far as uh you know getting us ready for school and all that my dad was always you know I mean, he was around all the time but he was the one that would go down there and open up. They served, uh, it was more of a, it was a bar and grill, but it was more of a breakfast joint as far as, you know, they catered to the, the business type down there. And so he would always be out, you know, about 5 a.m. So the mornings were generally spent with my mom and my folks did whatever they could to provide for us. And I, I enjoyed my childhood a lot. Um, a lot of, a lot of crazy stories I can tell, but, uh, I don't think this is an X-rated podcast, so I better not get into all that. No. All right. Well, we're we're going to bounce around a little bit here. I want to come back to the to the restaurant business and stuff like that. But uh, nowadays, if you're um, at a cocktail party or um, hanging out with friends or something, and you see somebody you haven't seen in a while, and they say, "Hey, Dion, you know, what do you do nowadays anyway? How do you respond?" Well, usually I don't get to what do you do. Usually I get the, how's the restaurant? How's everything going for you guys at the restaurant? And so I automatically have to let them know that I'm no longer uh, part of that. And uh, I let them know I'm an insurance broker. I sell life insurance primarily. I dabble in a few other aspects of the industry. But, uh, you know, I, I have a niche market that I've decided to focus on because I always get the, oh, well, can you give me a quote on uh, auto or homeowners? And I let them know that I don't do that. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's life insurance. It's nothing fancy, but uh, I think it's respectable. It's a, I enjoy the heck out of it. I, you know, so that's uh, really about all I say in, in regards to that. Just, you know, I'm a life insurance broker and, and, yeah, that's about it, Tuck, really. So uh, what what drove you to leave the uh, the restaurant business and and uh, dabble in, in this crazy insurance thing that we do? Well, it is crazy, but it's crazy fun. Um, what drove me to it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, the demand on your time in the restaurant business. Uh, it was just getting to be too much for me. Um, there was 
you know, at that time that I left the restaurant, I had uh, obviously my parents owned the place, so they're there every day. I had one sister and two brothers there as well with me. And I, I also noticed that the, the family dynamic was, wasn't as strong as it used to be because we were all kind of on top of each other every day at work. And so when, you, when you're outside of work, you started spending less time with each other because you didn't, didn't want to be around them because they maybe upset you during the day or whatever. So, so the demand on my time, you know, was uh, a big reason. And financially, you know, I knew I could do better than what I was doing. I mean, I made a comfortable living, but it was nothing spectacular. Um, but I was able to survive. And uh, so I just really thought I could do better with my time and give me a give me the ability to spend some time with my, my children. I was always, you know, in the beginning there, I was missing a lot of their uh you know, little special events or whatever. Not all the time. My folks were good about letting me have time off, but sometimes there were just days where, you know, when you're in a family-owned and operated business and in the industry in general, you get a, a lot of turnover, so there are a lot of unexpected, uh, you know, your day off didn't really become your day off because someone called in sick and you had to go fill in and things like that really started to interfere with my <clears throat> personal life with my kids, so... That was a, a big motivating factor for me, and, you know, now I, I spend more time with my kids than, you know, any dad I know outside of the business anyway. Hey, Dion, uh, were you looking, or, or did Bill come to you? How, how did all that transpire? You know, I was in the process, actually. Uh, I was looking to get out of there, and uh, I had put something on Facebook about, you know, getting ready to make a career change. I was getting ready to go to work for a, uh, a financial company here in town. And I was going to go with the advisor route. I have a couple uncles that I've always admired and respected, and, you know, they make a good living and, you know, the quality of life that I always wanted to achieve. So I, I was heading in that direction, actually. I just started to work for, for uh, Heritage Financial, and... Uh, you know, Bill had sent me a message on Facebook, just wanted to get together, catch up, wanted to run a, an idea by me. Um, and so we, we met for lunch, and uh, I was ready to go from day one. I mean, I was, I was very excited, you know, especially after, you know, I think at that point when I met Bill for lunch, we, uh, or I was in my third day at this new job. And when I walked in, the door of this place, you know, on my third day there, they called me into the office and they handed me a piece of paper with numbers one through a hundred. And they wanted a hundred names of my families and friends that they could contact, you know, to, to, you know, invest with their company. And that just turned me off right away. I actually left that day knowing that I had lunch with Bill and never, never looked back. Um, so that's, uh, you know how we got how I got into the business. You know, just uh, Bill. Bill sold me on it, and um, I'm glad he did because it was a life changer for me. And it's not easy, but I enjoy the heck out of it. And uh, Bill Russell was on an earlier podcast. Uh, how far do you guys go back? Where you went to high school together, right? Bill and I, yes, high school. So I've known him, you know, since freshman year in high school. Went to a private all boys school, and. Uh, you know, we played baseball together. 
And so, yeah, we had a good relationship, you know, through high school and stuff. And then we kind of lost, uh, lost track of each other for these 15 years or so. Um, you know, Bill, Bill moved down to Kansas, went to went Hayes University there. And I went to UNO here in, in town. And so we, we had lost, lost track of each other for quite a while there. But, uh, you know, just like at least for me anyway, most of my friendships, I don't ever – you know, I don't, I don't end them, but we lose track, and you know, people can kind of pick back up where they left off. And that seems how it's been for Bill and I. Um, you know, it was like we had just graduated high school. You know, as far as our relationship went, so it was. Uh, it's a good relationship. I enjoy it. I don't want to say it's a. It's not a business relationship. We're more friends. Um, we golf all the time together, and you know, hang out, go out to dinner with our wives, hang out with the kids, and so it's. Uh, it's definitely fun. I enjoy it. Maybe a bromance or something. Well, you know, talk maybe <laughs> if you want to get technical. Yeah, but uh, no, but I do admire Bill and, and what he what he has achieved up to that point. Uh, you know, and he was real, you know, forthright and honest with me and everything in regards to the business. He didn't sugarcoat anything. You know, he let me you know he let me know the pros and the cons. And I know at that time, uh, everyone around me personally, with the exception of my wife, thought I was crazy. You know. What are, you, what are you trying to get into this industry for? It's too tough. It's, you know, there's, there's more failure there than, you know, most industries. And I, I felt I could succeed at it. And, uh, you know, working in the restaurant business, I think, really helped me, actually, in being able to communicate with so many different people. Because in our business, you don't know what's behind door one, two, or three. You don't know who you're going to run into, what they're going to say. And it's just – so I think that really helped me flourish a little bit in the beginning, especially – being comfortable talking with people. So, yeah. Did you have any concern with um, going from a, you know, steady pay to, you know, the volatile nature of um, commissions? And uh, I mean, you were ready to make a change already, but uh, I think Dad has something on that too. Well, my thought is not only the security of a steady pay, but a family business, something that you would inherit, something that you could grow into, eventually own, uh, bring your family into. You're talking a family hierarchy business that could go on for generations. Yeah, you know, I don't want to say I wasn't concerned, but I've never doubted myself. Um, you're right in regards to, you know, being able to, you know, that's the reason my, my parents, you know, work as hard as they have was, you know, that was kind of the legacy they wanted to leave behind for us. And, and so it did kind of taint my relationship initially a little bit with my parents uh, because they were just a little upset that, you know, I didn't want to carry on in the family business. But uh, Well, I guess the reason I ask, Dion, excuse me, the reason I ask is, you know, most people, you know, like you said, other than your wife said you were crazy, and I think a lot of people you know, would think that to say, are you kidding me? You've, you know, you're set for life. You don't have, you don't have to work. You just have to show up. You have to put in your time, even though it was, you know, you can talk about how many hours it was, but I guess a lot of people that'll listen to this podcast may be in that position and obviously have to say, well, I got to go talk to my dad and say, I, dad, I don't want to be in construction with you, you know, or I don't want to work 60 to 80 hours a week. And, and so you might talk about how that transpired. And, but I guess the reason I brought it up is I think a lot of people, you know, yearn for that, that secure, job, that, that family business to say, yeah, you know, I, I never really had to develop anything. I just had to kind of take what my dad did and keep running it. And, uh, you know, you find out actually that, as you said, 
there's a lot more to it than just that. It's when you know someone doesn't show up, you have to show up and and go on from there. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know the security part of it. Yeah, that was nice, but it was also a crutch, Jim, because it didn't allow me to grow at all. And I was, I felt, you know, stuck in a sense that, that this is it. This is what I've achieved, and this is what my life's going to be. It, did, it didn't satisfy me, and so, you know, I. I wanted to make that move for me and for my family, and I knew there would be a little, you know, turmoil in the beginning as far as you know family relations go. Uh, but that's all long been smoothed over, and our relationship is better now than it ever has been. And I still go into the restaurant all the time, and you know, it, I, I just go sit there and observe a little bit, and, and uh, you know, I count my blessings, you know, for that day where Bill sent me that message to get together because that really changed my life for the better in my opinion and so you know the security side of it yeah that was a little scary but I never doubted my my ability to sell myself and that and that's kind of the way I I treat the business you know as brokers with many different products you know there's a millions of insurance agents out there and they're, they're buying me and so I felt with my personality and the ability to communicate with people that uh, I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, income. And uh, just a funny little story. I when I when I, I told my parents that I was going to be leaving, you know, my mom always feels like it's a, a bad sign to let someone that is going to leave the business for greener pastures, you know, hang out for two weeks. You know, the the old two week notice thing. <laughs> Because it kind of brings down morale, um, or, or maybe you're, you're going to, you know, spawn someone else to want to do the same thing, and, and it's going to affect their business even more. And so, I was fired. Got fired, fired by your mom. <laughs> yes, I got fired. Um, and so, did you, you know, get paid? Did you get two that weeks? was a little scary. Did you get two weeks severance? Uh, I did get severance. Hey, there um, you go. At least you didn't fire yeah, you and yep. just leave you out there stranded. Yeah. So I got severance, and at that time, Jim, I had no licensing or anything. I knew nothing about the insurance business other than that it seemed attractive to me. And uh, so I was actually on – I collected unemployment for one month. And uh, I'll never forget when I called back in to the unemployment office to let them know that I got a job. And they they asked me, well, where would you get a job at? And I I let them know, you know, with Senior Insurance Solutions, I'm going to go start selling insurance. she said, okay, well, what's your projected income for, for this year? And I said, well, I plan on making at least $100,000. And the lady laughed. I'll never forget that. She laughed at me. I'm like, how, how rude is that? Here I am trying to better myself and, and you know, paint a, a nice picture and at least, you know, have these high expectations. And she just laughed at me. <laughs> you should have so, taken kinda, your tax returns in the next year and handed it to her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that first year in the business, uh, I started in March... March 4th of 2011 is when I made my first sale. And from March to January, I submitted 180 plus thousand and, you know, added up when it was all said and done. I grossed about 138,000 that first year. That's (laughs) That's awesome. awesome. Okay. Now we got to go back though. What did Bill say? What did that conversation sound like? Because, um, yeah, I know you, and I know how confident you are. Um, but also, Bill did a good job of selling you on. And he's a salesman; he does a good job for selling, uh, especially final expense. But he sold you on the opportunity. What did the 
uh, conversation sound like? Well, you know, um, like I said, he he is a salesman. He's a hell of a salesman. So I think he sensed that I was ready to make a move. So he really, uh, I don't want to say he pressed on me at all because he didn't. Um, but, but he just let me know about, you know, obviously something, you know, that's important to all of us is finances. So he touched base on, you know, his financial history within the industry and how there's, you know, he's always maintained growth annually. And, and the free time, obviously, is something that, uh, you know, he, he cautioned me when he discussed, you know, the amount of time that you can have to, to do extracurriculars or spend time with the family, you know, because that doesn't always work out for everybody because you do have to be motivated and, uh, you know, get out there and, and, you know, achieve results in order to get that time off. And so it's a double-edged sword. So he did caution me in regards to that. But uh, really, you know, the lifestyle is what Bill sold me on. And that seemed very attractive to me. And it was a lifestyle that I, I wanted to obtain. And, and that's where I had hoped to go with, within the financial industry. Um, but I knew that would take a lot longer. And I felt that with the plan that, uh, you know, Bill had laid out for me, things were able to be streamlined, you know, with our niche that we have, you know, focus on instead of chasing 10 rabbits i'm chasing one rabbit every day and so i'm not having to worry about multiple different product lines and things of that nature so that was also very attractive to me in the beginning and still is to this day i you know i you know so that's something there that uh you know conversationally i was ready to be sold so he, he didn't have to pry on me or you know press on me to, you know to, to make me make this move he, he knew I was ready, and so you know, I'll give him that. You know, he, he definitely said all the right things, and but he said truthful things, and so that's something that I've always respected about Bill and everybody in our industry is, you know, the honesty that we have. You know, there's no need to sugarcoat things, and so that, you know, that has really helped me, uh, you know, respect. You know, our industry a lot more, you know, we, we get a bad reputation. And so that's part of the reason why I think I was getting a lot of pushback from, you know, my friends and family was just, you know, the reputation that insurance agents have. You know, there's, you know, some shysty individuals out there. And, and so that's, you know, what a lot of people unfortunately portray us as. And so, I, you know, I took that as a challenge. And, you know, that, that motivates me on a daily basis. I know there's still people out there waiting for me to fall flat on my ass. And, you know, I use that every day to... To, to motivate me to be a better person, whether it's in the business or, or you know, with my family or my faith. And so those are all things that uh, I enjoy. What what did he um, kind of, or how did he light the fire in you to give you the confidence to, to tell the lady that you were going to go from, you know, zero to six figures in 12 months? I mean, because for anybody... I mean, that's a huge goal, uh, but, you know, how did that come about to, that you would be confident enough to tell her that? Well, as you stated earlier, you know, I've never lacked confidence in myself or my ability. I feel like if I put my head down and focus on whatever tasks are at hand that I can achieve it. You know, my wife always gives me crap because... You know, I, I tell her if I wanted to be a heart surgeon, I could have been a heart surgeon. Or, you know, I feel like I can do whatever I put my mind to. And so what, what really lit the fire out of me was, you know, Bill, before I, 
you know, uh, sign any contracts with any companies or anything of that nature. You know, he said, hey, I just want you to come spend a week with me, two days out in the field selling. I just want you to observe and tell me what you think. And that, that week that I rode with Bill, which I ended up riding with him for a total of a month, but that first week that I rode with him, it wasn't easy what he did, but that, you know, I, I think he had about an $8,200 week. <laughs> and so I was, I was impressed with that, obviously. But he, you know, again, he was real honest and he let me know about, you know, the, the retention and, and all that. And, you know, just because you're seeing someone submit, you know, 8200 doesn't mean that's what they're actually making. Um, but, you know, the law of averages are going to balance out where, you know, you're, you're going to make a substantial amount of money in a relatively short period of time um, if you, you know, sit, you know, put all your ducks in a row and play your cards right. So, you know, that, that right there, when Bill, you know, submitted that and, you know, we talked about that. And, again, he cautioned me, he's not, Dion, you're going to have to work – you know, more than likely four and five days to achieve something like this. And I, I looked right, right at Bill. I said, Bill, if you can do this in two days, I'm doing it in two days. He said, well, you know, I like your attitude. He said, but I'm, I'm telling you, it's not going to be that easy for you. And uh, so, again, that was another motivational factor for me. You know, Bill's a great guy, but he puts his pants on the same way I do, one leg at a time. And so if he can achieve it, why can't I? And, you know, so that was something that, uh, you know, pushed me in this direction and gave me the confidence to, to say that, hey, I can go make six figures right now. That's awesome. Uh, so I've I've wanted to be in this business since I was about 16 years old, but it still took probably two, maybe three years before I realized, like, huh, this is it. This I'm I'm going to be doing this for a long time. I, I'm not going to be really looking for anything better or different. Uh for you, when did you realize that this was it? This is the kind of career that that was going to continue on basically forever? You know, um, I don't know if I had an aha moment in regards to that, but I'll, I'll say, you know, it, it came relatively short for me, Tuck. It, you know, that uh, first year I told you I started in a March, and in that August my family and I were able to take our first vacation in like five years. And uh, I, I just, that right there, I guess, was kind of that moment where, I, man, I, I can go out and I can bust my butt, but I'm going to be rewarded, you know, both, you know, financially and with the freedom. And so, yeah, I've looked, trust me, because there are days where this business will beat you up, but I still don't know anybody or any other, you know, business where you can achieve this level of freedom you know and so that that's that's about the point where i'd say i knew that uh you know i'm in final expense for life i'm not going anywhere this is what i do i enjoy it and uh and it also you know gives you opportunities to to grow elsewhere just because of the you know the time that you can have if you run your business the right way and so yeah, it was you know relatively quick. You know, I, you know within five months, I, I knew this is what I was going to be doing for a long time, God willing. And uh, you know, that's here we are today. You know, I'm six years in, and I'm enjoying it. It's again, it's it's not easy. It never is. But I, you know, outside of doing illegal activities, I don't know anywhere else where you can make the amount of money 
and feel good helping other people while helping, you know, yourself grow and, you know, developing the relationships that I've had with my kids. Um, and it's second to none for me. It's priceless. I, I know I, I get a lot of my friends that, you know, they talk to me about, why don't, why don't you work more? You know, if you're making this, if you worked, you know, four and five days a week, you can make this. I said, yeah, but then I'd be missing out on all this time with my kids. And again, that's priceless. And so, you know, after that, uh, that vacation, I, I knew that, you know, this is something that I wanted to do, you know, for the long term. And it wasn't just, wasn't just doing it, you know, to make a quick buck, you know, but I was, I was doing it to help other people and, you know, help myself as well. And it's really strengthened my relationship, you know, with my wife, my kids, my faith. And so, you know, it's pretty, pretty easy decision for me to say that uh, this is the best move that I ever made. Where did you go on vacation? What did you guys do? You know, it, it, nothing. we went to Colorado. It was, uh, you know, that's a place where my parents always took us growing up. Every summer we'd go to Colorado Springs and, uh, you know, hang out for, you know, five to ten days in the mountains. And uh, so that's, you know, some place I always wanted to take my kids and go. And so, so yeah, we went and spent, you know, a week and a half up there. And I remember my wife, like, this is crazy. You know, we haven't had a vacation forever. You know, we we, we did little weekend things. You know, I might run down to Kansas City or something and go to World of Fun or whatever. It's not a vacation. That's, you know, constant go, 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 go. And so, yeah, we had a blast up there. And, you know, I... I had a lot of childhood memories up there, and I want to, you know, pass them on to my kids as well. And we love the outdoors and nature, and whether it's you know the mountains or the ocean, and you know, we just we love being outside. And so we had an absolute blast, and yeah, looking forward to many more vacations. Hey, Dion, um, I want to backpedal just a little bit. We got, uh, I wanted you to talk a little bit going back to the restaurant business. Talk about the hours you spent. What kind of hours you had to put in? Um, even though your parents owned the business, you I think you managed it. And then talk about the time element in your first, uh, you said you started in March, uh, the kind of time element you put into this business to create that six-figure income. Give the listeners some kind of idea what that, you know, how that transition worked and, uh, you know, how you were able to make that uh, work out for you and your family. Kind of a before and after. Sure. Well, you know, at the restaurant, uh, you know, I, I wore many different hats. So, you know, I, I did... Uh, you know, payroll and accounting. I was the maintenance guy. Um, I cooked. You know, I, I hosted. I mean, so I did everything. So, it, you know, again, it goes back to you can't rely on other people all the time to show up for work because it just doesn't happen. So I was constantly there. You know, the restaurant didn't open up till 11, but I was there at, you know, 7, 8 o'clock every morning. And, and, you know, four out of those six days that I worked, I was there till 9, 10 o'clock at night. Now, I'd get a little 30, 45-minute break where I would sneak home or run an errand real quick, but, you know, a lot of time there. And so, you know, that uh, it did instill some work ethic in me, which maybe I, you know, probably need to get back to a little bit. But, uh, you know, that, that first year in the business, you know, I was in my office. What, you know, I know we always talk about, you know, in two days, you can go out and achieve this. Well, if you want to achieve, you know, six-figure income, it's more than just two days in the field. It's the legwork before and after you're out there selling. And so, you know, I still spent that, that first, you know, year in the business, I was still spending, you know, 40 to 50 hours, 
between selling and in my office, you know, preparing, you know, looking at, you know, other other products that we are, you know, compete against, plus, you know, the, the array of products that we have and trying to study the applications and kind of find little niches for particular situations. And so there's a lot of time spent, you know, to, to, I don't want to say master it because I don't think anyone ever masters it because you know, it's constantly evolving. But, uh, you know, you still got to, you're, you're working at a full-time job and eventually you'll get to a point where, you know, as long as you're mining your business, you know, things are going to work out. Again, it's that double-edged sword. You've got to be self-motivated because there's nobody, you know, you were, you know, Tucker, you or Jim, you're not calling me and saying, hey, Dan, why didn't you work this week? You know, what, what's the problem here? And, you know, so you've got to be self-motivated in order to be successful. But, uh, you know, time-wise, I would say there wasn't a, a huge difference other than I didn't work weekends at all uh, that first year, but I was still minding my business five days a week in my office or out in the field selling, um, you know, so you've still got to put in the time. It's just, uh, it's much more rewarding in my opinion. And there, that's your time. So you get to decide when you spend it and maybe it's late nights, maybe it's early mornings, but you know, you get to, if you need to leave your office, it's your office. So take off and go get something done for the kids or whatever, right? Um, was there one, was there a story where you were out selling and maybe you're having a really crappy day and then you hit a home run kind of in the bottom of the ninth and made a nice big sale to hit your goal and, and be done for the week? Can you tell me that story? Uh, you know, talk, uh, it's about every every month that seems to happen. <laughs> but uh, I don't know that I have any one particular story. I know that, uh, you know, there's a gentleman, no, and this would have been my first year in the business where I had already worked two full days out the field, and I think I had, you know, like three abs for about 1200 in premium, and it wasn't looking good, you know, as far as finishing the week out strong. And one thing that Bill taught me, you know, when I got into the business was door knocking. I didn't set any appointments. At my first month, I worked his old leads without door knocking. So that's, you know, I and I had a full slate of appointments those two days and just got beat up. You know, every excuse in the book. Uh, I was thrown out of a home. I had uh, actually a guy threw his remote control at me. And, and I was like, man, I, I'm done with this business. I mean, now I'm getting physically assaulted by these people. All I'm trying to do is help them, and I'm getting stuff thrown at me. And, and I'm not pushy when I'm in a home. You know, I don't, uh, if someone wants, you know, wants my help, I'm there to help them. If they don't, I'm going to move on. But uh, I, I remember driving home that night and thinking, man, what am I doing here? This is just crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm getting assaulted. I'm, I'm, and so... I just said, you know, you got to just get back up tomorrow. I know you don't have any appointments, but you got plenty of, of leads in your hand. And go out and door knock, and it wasn't easy. The next day, I didn't do anything until about 7.30 at night when I walked into a home where uh, a gentleman uh, up in Harlan, Iowa, um, he had, uh, you know, some health concerns, so he was worried about even being able to get coverage and I know you're wasting your time. I've been denied multiple times because I've had heart attacks in the past and 
you know, a lot of people think that's a big deal, and it's not in our business as long as it hasn't happened in the last you know year or two, depending on the company. But anyway, this guy was so excited, and you know, it was a three hundred and like twenty dollars sale. And I, it, I was just, I was blown away. I was like, you gotta be kidding me! I've been getting beat up and nervous and worried about not not making enough money to to cover my nut, so to speak. And uh, then you know, persistency paid off for me, and you know, the door knocking paid off, and I always. You know, kind of harken back. Uh, I'm sure if anyone listened to Bill's podcast, I'm sure he referenced the Kinder Brothers. But uh, you know, they always talk about just being being willing to go that extra mile or do what other people are not willing to do, and you will achieve, achieve ultimate success. And so, you know, there's not a lot of people that like to go out and door knock. It's not fun. It's not glamorous. You, you get told no more than you do yes. But in the end, it's going to pay off handsomely for you. And so that's. You know, still the mindset that I have today. I'm not afraid to go out and door knock, and you know. So that particular day, I, you know, I, I do vividly remember that that three day stretch there, where I was ready to give up on the business. Matter of fact, there was another agent at the time, you know, in the same area as me, and uh, he did give up. And uh, you know, he, he would always call and, man, I've I've got stood up on a handful of appointments. I tried door knocking for a little bit. It's four o'clock. Let's go get a beer. So, you know, we've still got, you know, four and a half hours of daylight. I'm going to door knock. I mean, there's got to be something out there. I need to make some more money. And so he went his way to the bar, and I'd continue to door knock. And, you know, at the end of the week, obviously, my numbers would be far greater than his, hence why he's no longer in the business. But, uh, you know, so that's something I always try to tell myself. It's It's not easy, but as long as you're persistent or consistent and keep going out there, good things will eventually happen, just the law of averages. You know, it's a numbers game in this business. And so, you know, the more people you can tell your story to or get from, eventually you're going to make the sale that you need to end your week. So That's awesome. What uh, yeah. We'll follow that up with one of the most crazy or bizarre war stories that you have. Um, maybe it wasn't the most glamorous or biggest sale you've ever made, but it's it's that house that just sticks in your mind or maybe the smell reminds you of something or, you know, what's, <laughs> what's one of those crazy ones that you remember? Uh, well, we got a lot of smells. Um, you know, I love going into a home where they tell you no on the phone. You know, they don't want anybody coming by. And, you know, or I didn't mail that card in. And, you know, if my I don't have enough places to go that particular week, I'm, I'm door knocking them because there's obviously something that, you know, perked their interest into wanting to mail this card back into us. And so I don't know if there's one particular story, Tucker, but, you know, being able to sell someone that told you no on the phone or, you know, or, or, or when they tell you when you walk in the door that, you know, that's fine. I really, I just want this free memorial guide. I'm going to let you say whatever you have to say, but I am not buying anything. I'm not buying anything at all, so don't try to get me to buy anything, but I'll let you talk. Okay. And that's when, you know, I really get excited because then it's a challenge for me to be able to, you know, not only help them, but make the sale. And so, again, I apologize for not having one particular story, but, uh, you know, the stinky homes, yeah, you're going to come into those. And I, I'll, I'll never forget uh, Darren Hollabach 
telling me about uh, an incident where, you know, there were roaches all over. And I, and I can drive to this day. I, I live two hours from Des Moines. I can drive to this house in Des Moines. And she's still a client of mine. And I can pull right up to her house. But the only reason I remember that is because, I mean, there were literally roaches crawling around on the coffee table, on her arm. And the whole time I'm kind of, you know, shooing things away and making sure my bag zipped up and things like that. And very nice lady. Just, you know, didn't quite have her cleanliness altogether. But, uh, you know, I suppose that one does stick out with me as far as I did not want to be there at all. It was, you know, stinky. There were roaches running around. But the lady needed help. And she was, you know, sincere and honest. So, you know, I had to suck it up and, you know, but I know when I left, I, I took off my jacket, I emptied out my bag, I, yeah, that's, but uh, still on the books. Matter of fact, I, I went back there last year and, you know, wrote a policy on her son and her husband. And so, you know, I suppose that might be one that sticks out in my head. Um, you know, I've had some negative things that have stuck out in my head as well. I've had the attorney general call, called on me for fraud. Um, you know, so you get all kinds of stuff thrown at you in this business, you know, literally and figuratively, unfortunately, <laughs> I've had, uh, you know, I had an old man, well, a couple of times I've had some people, you know, try to swing on me and, uh, you know, you just, you know, you gotta laugh it off. You know, some people just aren't nice, I guess. And so, um, you know, that I don't know if you necessarily want me to talk about that, but you know, it's not all glamorous by any means so but it's very exciting let's say that very exciting so um i've got a a buddy that i grew up with and uh his dad owns a local um hvac business huge business and uh whenever we're hanging out it's it's almost kind of hard to hang out with him because he knows everybody and everybody knows him. And so you almost can't even talk to him because he's getting interrupted all the time. I imagine that's what it's like to be Dion in Omaha. So I know you know a lot of people, but uh, in your mind, who's the most successful person you know and why? In my mind, who's the most successful person I know and why? Um, honestly, I haven't really thought about that much, but, but in short, I would probably have to say my mother. Uh, my mom's an Italian immigrant. Her mom died when she was, what, six years old? And uh, she was separated from her six other siblings at that age. Um, they weren't old enough. You know, the, the Italian government didn't deem them old enough to, to raise her because her dad was off at war at that time. And so my mom would be the most successful person because of the trials and tribulations that she's had to overcome in her life. Coming over here to a, a foreign country, you know, at the age of six, and being separated from your family, and, uh, and just, yeah, I mean, you know, incidences growing up where she, she had nothing, you know, in Italy, you know, she would tell me stories about, you know, in order to eat, they would have to, you know, kind of, you know, run around. I don't, I don't want to, you know, advocate stealing anything, but just survival, you know, you know, little food carts, vendors pushing around, you know, hey, you know, you want to run and grab an apple real quick and take off around the corner just so you have something to eat. 
and just so the, my mom to me would probably be the most you know influential and successful individual financially. You know they're doing okay. They're, they're not you know millionaires by any means. They make a comfortable living, but my, they worked their ass off to get to that point. And, and so you know again, I, I would say my mom in that regards just you know keeping everything together. She's very faith based. And, and, you know, that helps me, you know, she helps keep me grounded, you know, in that regards, you know, I don't want to say she's lecturing me, but she's constantly, you know, quoting some scripture to me or something of that nature, because it really helps her, you know, kind of, I don't want to say, forget about her past, but, but learn from her past and grow and move forward. And, you know, in the Italian family, our, you know, our mothers are the, the matriarchs and, uh, you know, so, so I do admire and respect my mom tremendously for what she's been able to achieve in her life, coming from where she was to where she is now. And again, even, you know, through my, you know, her years of her, her raising me, you know, when I was under her roof, just you know, the stuff that she had to overcome. I mean, there were days where we'd come home and, you know, the lights would be off. You know, we didn't have enough money to pay the power bill. So what my mom do? She would have a block party and get a keg of beer and charge for the beer. Well, there was enough money to turn the lights on the next day. You know, so again, it's not, uh, you know, anything, you know, glamorous by any means, but very resourceful individual. And uh, so I, I tremendously respect her for that. And she, I have yet to meet a person that didn't like my mom. So that that's probably the most admirable quality that she has is just her ability to, you know, make someone feel like family. She treats, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with her losing her family, which she has since been able to reunite with for the last 25-plus years. But, uh, you know, her being pulled away from her family has really made her value people and their feelings. And so, you know, everybody that comes across her is just amazed, and they always comment on how she treats you just like family. I mean, she'll invite you to the house. She'll feed you. You know, if, if you're, uh, you know, someone that uh, she can kind of see is down and out or whatever, maybe doesn't have somewhere to go or they can't afford to go back home for the holidays or whatever, well, you're part of our family. You're coming over our house for Christmas or whatever, things like that. So I don't, I don't, uh, she doesn't influence me in regards to, you know, finances. It's the way she carries herself and how she treats others. That's what I find most, you know, uh, the best quality about her and what I you know, look up to and hopefully, you know, will achieve at some point. I'm not there by any means, but, uh, you know, the, I know my late brother uh, was very similar uh, in regards to uh, my mom and his personality and how he treated people and opened his arms up for everyone. And so that that's definitely a quality that uh, I strive to, uh, you know, maintain on a daily basis. That's awesome. Do you yeah. see, um, do you see her rubbing off on your daughters or those qualities in your daughters? Oh uh, yes, definitely, definitely. And, and at some point, you know, it's a fault of theirs because you know, you know, nowadays these kids are exposed to so much more uh, than what we were growing up. Sure. Um, and, and so you know, sometimes they're kindness is mistaken for weakness and they're taken advantage of by certain friends or let people kind of treat them badly or things like that. But yes, they definitely have those qualities. And I attribute that, you know, to the time that we're able to spend 
you know, not only with my immediate family, but, you know, with my, my parents and, you know, you know, my, they're the kids, aunts and uncles, my brothers and sisters, you know, we're together every week still to this day, you know, on Sundays, I'm at my parents' house and there's, you know, 23 plus of us, depending on the day. And, you know, my mom's so crazy. She had a custom built table so we can all sit at the table at once. That's so cool. And so, but, but you know, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, it's definitely rubbed off on my parents and I, a lot of what, how they raised me, I'm trying to instill in my kids, which is it's lost today. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many kids I have to send home. To, you know, you need to go home to eat with your family. Oh, no, I, yeah, I'm just going to stay here and play. Oh, no, no, no. It's important to me. So that's something that, uh, you know, I try and instill in my kids. And, I, you know, obviously my parents have done a great job at that. And so, yeah, it's rubbed off on them. Um, but, but, again, at some point it's... Uh, you know, at their age, they get taken advantage of a little bit by some of their friends, but that's all right. I'd rather than be, uh, you know, kind and, and giving than, uh, you know, a snobby little brat. So, <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. that. Um, yeah. What are you passionate about? And we used to ask this at our seminars and stuff, and we get people saying, well, I, I'm passionate about insurance or I'm passionate about helping people. And, and I get that. I mean, that's our job, that's what we do for a living. But after you've hit your goal and you're done for the week, what are you passionate about? What do you, I guess the best way, uh, when I asked Bill this question, um, he said, you know, people don't go to work when they're bored. They go do something fun when they're bored. So what do you do when you're bored? You know, I do a lot of things, Tuck. Um, you know, depending on the time of year, obviously first and foremost for me, and I don't want to sound like a beat dead horse, but I try to make sure I can have as much fun as possible with my kids. So I'm very passionate about that. I enjoy, and sometimes my wife thinks I'm a little crazy, like, hey, you know, we can go out tonight. We've been with them for 30-plus straight days. Can we take a day off? You know, so I'm always, you know, that's my biggest passion is is trying to have as much fun with the kids as possible or making sure they're as happy as possible. And I don't want to say that's because I I wasn't growing up, but just something that I have the ability to do, and I, I love it. I love my house being the place where, you know, all the neighborhood kids are over here hanging out every day. There's someone different in my home, and I may only have four kids, but I, I usually feed, you know, six kids on any given day. And so, you know, I, that, I don't know if that's necessarily a passion that you were, you were looking for, but, uh, you know, that's, that's my initial um, desire, I guess. And then, you know, I enjoy golfing. I'm horrible at it, but uh, I enjoy it. It's, it's peaceful for me anyway. I uh, usually get some good conversation going, um, you know, and, and it's uh, you know it's something that I do really just like spending that time. Again, it's it's all you know about being outside. So it's you know playing golf or riding my mountain bike, and you know something I started getting back into. And I know you and Jim have been uh, kind of busting my chops in the last you know few years, but I was a you know a workout freak prior to getting into the business. And for my first two years of the business, I, I still maintain that, you know, five, six days a week. I like to work out in the morning. You know, so I'm at the gym at 5, 5.30. And when my brother died, um, I hadn't worked out until about three weeks ago. I got back in the gym, and I've been, been there, you know, every morning since, with the exception of the, of the weekends. And uh, it's so, so that's something I'm passionate about as well as kind of my own personal time, but I do that when when my kids are sleeping. And you kind of talk, you know, about uh, 
kind of being the master of your own domain as far as your time. And so I do spend a lot of time in my office, but it's usually, you know, early mornings or late at nights when my kids are sleeping, you know, because I want to be able to spend as much time with them as possible. Um, now that they're in school, you know, obviously I'm able to kind of readjust that. But, uh, you know, in the summer months in particular. So passionate about my family, golf, my personal health is something, again, that I lost that, uh, you know, I, I say that passion, that desire, that drive. And uh, it's something that feels good to, to get it back. And I don't want to use my brother as a crutch, but, but it did affect me tremendously, you know, the way I looked at things and just, you know, I kind of let it beat me up. And it still does, but, you know, it's, it is reality, the situation. I have no control over it. And I can either sit here and be miserable and, and you, know, oh, you know, why me? Well, this happens to everybody every day. So, you know, that's... Uh, Something I'm trying to get back into, and, and, it, and it feels good. I've been sore as hell, um, but uh, you know that that's something that uh, kind of drives me, or it's a passion of mine, is you know, being in peak physical shape. Because I feel like you know, if you're able to achieve that, you you got a sound mind and body. You can do anything, and, and I tell my kids that all the time. You can do whatever you want in this world, as long as you have the desire and the drive, and you're you're mentally focused. You can achieve anything. What does your workout look like? Is it lifting, or do you just go and run on the treadmill for a half hour, or a little bit of both, or what's it look like? Doc, I will do 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes of cardio, depending on, uh, I guess, how I'm feeling that day. So I just got to warm up a little bit. I'll, I'll go in the dry sauna. I'll do a little stretching before I get going, and I'm going to hit cardio. I hate treadmills, so I usually run on the track, um, although... You know, I had knee surgery not long ago, a couple months back, so I've been doing uh, an elliptical a little bit here as well when there's a little tenderness going on with me. And then, yeah, I do isolation workouts. I know there's no such thing as true isolation because you're never only focusing on one muscle. It takes many different muscle groups activated to, to achieve, you know, growth. But uh, So I do isolation workouts, at least right now, and TRX is something that uh, – I incorporate, you know, at least three days a week, you know, after I do my, you know, whether it's, you know, arms or, you know, chest or legs or back, shoulders, you know, so I'll, so I go in with, a, you know, the mindset of, you know, just getting warmed up, you know, I mean, cardio-wise, trying to get my heart rate up to above 170 so you can uh, achieve some good, uh, you know, cardiovascular work out there, and then, uh, I don't do any heavy weights. I'm all about high high rep, low weight. So I, you know, I try and you know, I do 300s every time I go in the gym. So if I'm doing, you know, today I went in and you know today was chest day. So you know I did about six different exercises on the chest. Um, you know, 300 repetitions, all low weights. I'm not. I don't have anybody doing press. I'm not uh, some big meathead or anything. I'm just trying to get back into shape and even. You know, going back to before my brother passed, when I was in, you know, the best shape of my life, I still never lifted any heavy weights. I'm not one of these guys that likes to grunt and, you know, throw a lot of things around or, you know, try to impress anybody. I got nobody to impress but myself. So, I rep, Tuck. That's all, that's what I do. Sounds um, good. But, yeah. You might talk a, a little bit about football. Um, you're, a, you're a star and something happened. What happened in uh, yeah, you know, your football career? Um, you know, growing up, that's what I thought. I was going to be a football player. 
and I felt like that was that was my I don't want to say my calling, but that was my desire, my drive. I was going to play football. I was a you know I was a three sport athlete growing up. I wrestled, I played football, and I played baseball. And I excelled at all of them. And, and again, I don't want to sound cocky or arrogant, but you know, it's I, I love athletics, uh, no matter what it is. I'm very competitive, and so yeah, I I was uh, you know all state running back, you know, led the state in touchdowns and rushing for you know my junior and senior year. I had scholarship offers to a lot of at that time it was Big Eight schools and uh, Big Ten schools, and you know, but I always wanted to go play for Notre Dame, and I was given that opportunity. Um, you know, this was back when Lou Holtz was the coach and had a scholarship to go play at Notre Dame. And uh, this was the summer after my senior year. And this is, you know, nowadays it's different. They've got, you know, early enrollments and all that, so kids can go on campus right away. Well, you couldn't go on campus until August. And so uh, we, we do a Shrine Bowl, and I think most most area, you know, most areas do a Shrine Bowl, a Shriner Hospital uh, up in Minnesota. It, it's... Uh, so, you know, all different uh, all-stars, I guess you would call it, it was like an all-star game. And anyway, I was, you know, elected as the team captain of the Shrine Bowl. And, you know, we got to fly up to Minnesota and, uh, you know, meet these kids that uh, were less fortunate to, than us, didn't have the ability to run or, you know, some of them couldn't walk or couldn't talk. And, you know, but they just, they looked up to you there. They beamed, you know, with, with joy when they saw you because, you know, you were able to do the things that they couldn't do. So, so I was real excited to play in that Shrine Bowl. And, uh, uh, you know, my first play, I had like a 50-yard run. And, you know, okay, great. You know, it's getting off to a good start. You know, next play, got the ball, go up the middle. And uh, for my rotator cup, I was running back and uh, just shredded it. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't play anymore. And this was like maybe three minutes into the game. So I was pretty upset. Okay, it was a little setback, no big deal. Well, I got a call, you know, the following week, post-surgery, I had to have surgery, you know, from Lou Holtz. And uh, at that time, he just, you know, expressed his concern about my injury. I understand I got hurt in the Shrine Bowl, and, you know, you're, you're recovering from surgery. And as a result of that, um, we decided to offer your scholarship to somebody else. And I was crushed. And I, and I carried that burden around for, I'd say, a better part of 10 years um, because I felt like that was, again, I don't want to use the word calling, but I felt like that was my my desire. That's where I belonged. That's what I was going to do, and I was going to be good at it. And uh, that was all taken away real quick. You know, I've since had, you know, three surgeries on that shoulder. And so it was a, it was a pretty wicked uh, injury. And... Uh, I had to, you know, wrap my head around the fact that that I wasn't going to play football anymore. That was pretty difficult to do. That was real difficult to do for me. Um, you know, I still, I still think about that from time to time. What, what could have been? And uh, I know you're you're a sports fan, Tuck, and you may recall. You, know, you might be a little young, but probably not. Amon Green was a running back for the Green Bay Packers. He's the all-time leading rusher for the Packers. Amon and I grew up together, uh, played ball against each other. He went to another high school here. And, uh, you know, very highly recruited like myself and highly touted. And 
you know, he went on to you know play in Nebraska, won a couple national championships there, won a world championship with the Packers, and all this and that. And I ran into him on uh, a couple years ago, at uh, and I still talk to him from time to time. Um, but I ran into him up in uh, Wisconsin. My dad and a couple of my brothers were up there for a Nebraska Wisconsin football game and doing a little tailgate or whatever and. You know, come walking through the parking lot with a mind grain. He comes, hey, Dion, what's up, buddy? How you been? You know, blah, 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 blah. And he was with uh, a few retired Packer players. And I'm a Packer fan, too, by the way. So um, I was pretty excited to, to meet some of these guys. And uh, anyway, he introduced me as the greatest running back he ever knew. So, I, you know, I like that. But, you know, that was very difficult for me to uh, – He did. Uh, you know, athletics and kind of, you know, I, I had uh, baseball scholarships. Uh, and so I, I was going to play a sport, you know, for, for my career. That was my desire. And, uh, yeah, that, that took a lot to get over. But uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world because it, it taught me a lot about life. And it's not fair. It's not easy. But just, you know, one day at a time, things get better. And, you know, here we are today. I, I still, you know, I don't want to say I have any regrets because I don't, but it still it still stinks to this day. You know, I don't uh, dwell on it like I used to. But uh, yeah, that was uh, my sports story, I guess. There, Tuck. Would you say that um, was that one of your biggest failures that you know later taught you something, or or is there something else that comes to mind? And it wasn't really a failure, I guess, in in your regards. It was more misfortune. Yeah, it was misfortune, but I looked at it as a failure. Um, You know, that's kind of how I treated it. So, yeah, that that was the biggest uh, disappointment in my life, Um, definitely, you know, especially to that point. Um, Yeah, I didn't think I was going to overcome that. And, you know, what am I going to do now? Well, I went to school. That's what I did. And, uh, you know, it wasn't easy to see others that I, you know, my peers that, that were, you know, good athletically continue to carry on and I wasn't able to physically. And so, yeah, you know, yeah, that, that was difficult to, uh, overcome, but, you know, like you said, it wasn't really a failure, but unfortunately at that young age, you look at it as such. And so I, I did let that eat me up for quite a while. And, um, you know, I, one thing I try to instill in my kids is just being well-rounded when it comes to athletics and academics. So, you know, you can't just uh, hang your head on one, one dream or goal or aspiration in life because you may not achieve it. And it may be out of your control. Um, you've got to have other avenues, um, you know, or, you know to, to pursue. So that's... Uh, you know, unfortunately, at that time, yeah, it was a failure, at least for me, or how I felt. But uh, it definitely has helped me grow, um, and it took a long time, you know, to realize that was, you know, a tough learning experience for me at a young age. But uh, you know, it definitely made me more mentally tough, I'd say. And I attribute some of that to my other athletic prowess, which was, you know, wrestling. I loved wrestling, and so. 
You know, it's a one-on-one sport where you don't have a team. I mean, you're part of a club or a team, but they're not out there with you wrestling. So that's something that I'm, I'm getting excited. I hope this doesn't sound sexist or anything. You know, my daughters don't have any desire to do it. My son's only four, and, you know, getting ready to start wrestling, and uh, I can't wait. I think that's, you know, mentally the best sport out there, in my opinion, because it, it teaches you, you know, responsibility. You can't blame anybody else, or you can't yell at the ref because you made a bad call or something of that nature. It's all you. And so I'm excited to go through that, that phase uh, with my son. Hey, Dion, you mentioned uh, that you did go to college there in Nebraska. Um, what was your major, and did you get a degree? Good question, Jim. Good question. Uh, my major was business finance, and I attended University of Nebraska at Omaha for just over two years before I dropped out. Did not graduate, didn't get a bachelor's or anything of that nature. I was done with school. And again, I was still in that uh, self-destructive state and, you know, still still down and out about not being able to play sports. And, and uh, yeah, I just kind of let that snowball negatively. And, yeah, no, I no, no college uh, degree, obviously a little college education, but uh, no degree. And that's, you know, uh, something that I still proud of getting where I am today without a degree. And I think that's one of the biggest misnomers out there. You don't have to have a degree to be successful in this world. Um, you know, for some people, yes, but it's all, you know, a positive mindset. And that's something I've been trying to work on here lately as well. It's just uh, kind of manifesting your own destiny. And so I don't get hung up on the fact that I don't have a degree and I'm not afraid to, you know, I hang out with a lot of very intelligent you know, doctors, lawyers, and scientists, I mean, you name it, uh, you know, very well to do. And I got no problem sitting there and carrying on a conversation with them intellectually. And, uh, you know, and I have no problem admitting that I don't have a degree. Do I wish I had one? No, not really. It's just a piece of paper. And so, you know, it would have opened up the door to a lot of debt as well. And so I, I don't. You know, I hope I'm not getting too long-winded there, Jim, but no, no degree, and I don't regret not obtaining one either. Uh, no, I, I agree, and that's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Uh, I mean, I don't have one. Uh, it hasn't really held me back, but um, what kept you from uh, – your, your love of football was so powerful, obviously. What kept you from not pursuing that at maybe another college? I'm, obviously, Notre Dame would have been the you know college of choice, but there's many, many colleges you could have walked on to or – or uh, maybe you know, look to get a scholarship somewhere else. What kept you from doing that? Well, yeah, at that point, then with uh, with the surgery that I had, um, you know, I was, you know, I could have walked on elsewhere. But I was also cautioned that, you know, the nature of the position I played, running back, that I would, you know, expect to have this happen immediately, you know, uh, over and over. So. You know, kind of physically is, is what kept me from it, not so much mentally. I would have, you know, walked on and went and played somewhere, you know, but uh, I listened to my body, and I'm glad I did. You know, again, it was something that it probably took me until I was, you know, yeah, 30, 32 years old before I realized that was the best thing that ever happened to me. 
because I'm sore now. I'm 41. I'm sore now when I get out of bed just from the physical pounding that my body took in all sports, you know, because I never stopped. I played all year around. And, and so I am, you know, grateful um, now. I, I wasn't, but I am now because the, the physical pounding that my body would have taken, it just uh, it blows my mind. And I got a lot of respect for, you know, individuals that go on to play in, in college and pro, no matter what, you know, what level, because uh, it, it really takes a toll on your body. So, you know, in hindsight now, it, it was a good thing that that happened to me. But physically, Jim, is why I did not pursue that. And, uh, you know, that's it. Now, if, uh, if your kids grow up and they say, Dad, I don't, I don't want to go to college. You don't have a degree. Why do I have to go? Um, what do you say to them? I've already talked to them about that, actually, Tuck. And, uh, you know, obviously the natural course is to try to push them towards college. But uh, they just need to find something that they're passionate about. You can't just sit around and waste time. So do I want them to go to college? Yes. Am I going to be disappointed? It's hard to say right now. My, my oldest is only 12, and, uh, you know, so I've got a 12, 10, 7, and 4-year-old. And, you know, ideally, yes, I'd like them to go to college, but as I've aged and, you know, been able to kind of network and meet individuals just here in my own community and see the success that they have without college, I've got no problem with it. As long as they are focused on whatever it is they want to pursue, I mean, you can be successful at anything, in my opinion. Obviously, some some fields require degrees. I understand that, but uh, do I think someone is less of a person because they don't have a piece of paper? No. Um, so I, I don't know if I would be upset. Um, but I know we do talk about it, and they've mentioned, you know, they've mentioned to me, you know, how oh, I didn't graduate college. And, you know, yeah, got no problem. You know, with them, I don't want to say making their own choices. I'm going to try and push them into that, obviously, or, or, you know, you know, the more education you have, the better. But it doesn't always need to be in a classroom setting. You can educate yourself, you know, probably better than what you can get at a lot of these uh, universities in some regards. So Yeah. And what if they say, Dad, I want to do what you do? What do you how do you say that? My, my four-year-old, now, obviously, he'll probably say a thousand different things before he reaches an age where he needs to decide what he wants to do. But he just told me just yesterday, you know, because I was asking, you know, hey, buddy, what, you know, what do you want to do when you get older? You know, because his sister was talking about, you know, my one daughter is a, a fantastic swimmer. And, and I, something, I'm, I'm like a dead weight in the water. And this, this little gal just glides and she's already, she's got, coaches all over the city trying to get her to swim and blah, 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 blah. And so she always talks about, you know, she's going to the Olympics. And, you know, you know so she was talking about that yesterday. And I said, well, what do you want to do, Giacomo, when you, when you get older? And uh, so, well, I want to have an office like you, Dan, and sell insurance. <laughs> That's pretty cool, you know. But, uh, you know, I don't know if I would, I'm not going to push them into anything, but, you know, hey, if they want to get into this, great. That's awesome. Uh, what does yeah. goal setting look like for you? And um, did did you were you a, a goal setter in high school, and or is that something that you picked up recently? I was a goal setter, but I wasn't a focused 
goal setter. It was kind of the pie in the sky type of thing. Um, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to do this, that, or the other. And, and I, mean, I was goal-oriented. I hated working out growing up. I mean, I had to be forced to work out. You know, I, I hated it. You know, but I was, you know, I don't know. So, so I, I was goal-oriented, but I did not write them down. I, I didn't focus on it or what it was going to take to achieve that goal. I just, hey, I want to do this. Well, you know, you need to put a plan in place you know, to achieve that, and uh, that's where I was lacking. So, yeah, here more recently, you know, in the last, you know, six, seven years, definitely much more goal-oriented, um, you know, I try to, and I don't do a great job at it. Uh, I'm not uh, Jim in regards, you know, Jim's very goal-oriented, and I admire that. I, I try to write things down. I, you know, I used to do on a daily basis, and it's got to be, you know, for me, it wasn't, I don't know, it, it, it didn't work for me. So I have weekly goals that, that I will kind of jot down. And it's not just in the business. It's not just financial goals. It's personal goals um, as far as, you know, faith or family, you know, you know, what I can do to better myself and, you know, here recently, I've uh, you know been uh, been trying to read a little bit. Um, actually, uh, my first uh, reading that I did, and some people may laugh at this, but I I hadn't done it in quite a while, so I read the Bible, and that was nice. It was good for me. I needed that, um, but you know, so it was good. Something that I hadn't done since college. I hadn't read a book, you know. I didn't feel it was important, but it is. And uh, so that's, uh, you know, a goal that I'm trying to, you know, maintain. and just recently started. And so something I want to try and just, just read a book. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be anything to do with selling or, you know, just read a little bit. And it gives you that good reflection. So that's, uh, you know, a goal that I'm trying to set up. But, you know, right now goals are... You know, to be able to operate my business in a manner that allows me to spend as much quality time with my family as possible, because it's going to be, and, and that really hit home when you know my brother was only 41 uh, when he was in his accident, and I the last thing I thought I'd have to do was you know bury my brother at such a young age, and uh, so that really hit home to me. You know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I, I try to set up each day in a manner that allows me to be present and available for my kids as much as possible because I don't know what tomorrow may bring. And so that's, you know, my daily goal is just to be best that I can uh, when I'm around my kids and try to, you know, set a, a proper example for them. You know, and so I catch myself sometimes feeling guilty when I go golfing because, man, I could be with my kids right now. And so, you know, that's something I'm trying to work with. I have a little separation there. But uh, anyway, kind of got off course there, Tuck. But that's all right. Goals, if... goals drive me a lot more now than they did when I was younger um, because time is of the essence. And it... so if you don't have a plan, you don't know where you're going. I love that. If, uh, if you don't mind, talk about how – this business was kind of a, a godsend 
when your when your brother passed away, and I know you've talked about it on our conference calls and things before. Sure. How, how did that affect yeah, yeah. you and the business and selling and all that? You know, it uh, boy, it affected me big time, man. It's uh, you know, I loved my brother dearly. He was my best friend. It doesn't it, it doesn't hurt me to talk about it, but. You know, the business gave me the ability to be present for my parents, for my brother's wife and two children. And I took two months off of work when my brother died. And I would not have been able to take two days off of work in any other job that I had previously. And so at that point, you know, it was the best thing that could have presented itself as far as for the circumstances. I was able to, you know, because I... And in the business, you know, and we deal with death claims. And so you're kind of a little familiar, but you never think you're going to, you know, my brother was an insured of mine. And, you know, that was pretty hard to contact the company and, you know, file a claim on my brother. But, you know, the business gave me the ability, you know, time-wise and financially to, to be there for my family when it was needed the most. And so I'm forever grateful for that. And... It, it's uh, I, don't, I, I don't know what would have happened had I been doing something else or how it would have affected me or, or his family. I was able to, uh, you know, I spent that two months, you know, after after the service there, I, you know, kind of brainstormed and I went around and used my um, connections that I've been blessed to be able to develop through my parents' extremely successful business and, and, and you know, wanted to do an auction. I wanted to raise some money for his wife and kids. My brother being that he was a bigger guy and, you know, and I said he was an insurer of ours, but he was only able to get a $25,000 policy. So that's not going to go far when you got a mortgage and car payments and two kids. You know, he had a five-year-old at that time and a eight-month-old, you know. And so it gave me the ability to go set up run around town, talk to people about, you know, donating X, Y, or Z, and, you know, um, you know, my success in the business allowed me to be a member at a country club here just right up the street from our house, and most people were very gracious and still are to this day, um, but they let me use their facility, uh, did a, a spaghetti dinner with a live and silent auction and was able to raise just over a quarter million dollars for my brother for his family, and that really helped them out. So, I mean, I'm grateful as all get up, you know, to, to be in this business. And, again, it's not easy, but it, it really allows you to kind of shape and mold it to, you know, circumstances that, you know, dictate a little change from time to time. And so, yeah, it's uh, as far as selling goes, Tuck, um, I use it. I talk about my brother almost every day I'm out in the field. It helps me personally just discuss it and keep his memory alive and, you know, share the positive stories and things of that nature. But it also lets me let people know we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, I talked to my brother at 10 a.m. the day he died. I got a call from a sheriff at 5.05 p.m. on a Sunday night. I'll never forget it. And, uh, you know, that was pretty hard to know that just a few short hours before that we were, you know, talking and now I'll never talk to him or see him again, you know, so that was uh, difficult, but 
you know, so those are things that I will use and I'll, I will talk about my brother. I'll show him, you know, I, I keep his little prayer card, you know, in my, in my binder. And, you know, as soon as you open up, that's the first thing you see. And so he, he, he's with me everywhere I go. And I think he helps me, you know, realize that, I mean, I know, unfortunately, just because of the personal experience, you know, again, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. But a lot of our clients don't feel that way. They're invincible. They're never going to die, or they've got all their problems solved, and they're just donating their body to science. Because, you know, everyone can donate their body to science, according to these people. And so, you know, I I use that to help make sales and just, uh, you know, unfortunately, (laughs) I feel bad sometimes. I do... You know, I, I, I've brought many people to tears telling the story and talking about it. Um, and, and I don't want to, uh, I don't know, I, sometimes I feel bad about that. Uh, but I'm just telling them about life and why this is so important to us, why this is needed. Nobody is immune to death. Nobody. And so what we offer truly does help everyone, in my opinion, especially, uh, you know, the, the clientele that, that we follow around and, you know, our business will grow with over the next 20 plus years, there's a need and it feels real good, you know, to provide a service that, you know, is going to work and it's going to benefit their family. And so when you get a phone call and it doesn't happen a lot because we don't have a lot of individuals that, that reach back out to us after the fact, but when you get that phone call from a beneficiary that, you know, got, got a nice check, you know, and it's not all about the money, but it's about them being able to provide a, you know, proper, you know, resting for their loved one. And so it feels real good when you get a call and, and, a, and a, you know, a thank you from someone. Thanks for meeting with my dad. I had no idea he set this up. And just thank you so much, you know. And so that really makes you feel good. But anyway, I know I got a little long-winded there, Tuck, but... Well, you've been uh, you've been really successful. You hit your goal uh, pretty often. And do you still have the elation, or is it just expected now? Uh, you've been doing this for almost six over six years, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. This is my sixth year, so um, you know it's funny you say that, man. No, I don't get excited anymore. I don't get. Uh, I, I try and stay flatlined. Uh, I shouldn't say I try to, but that's where I'm at. You know, mentally or whatever, for whatever reason, I don't get high with the highs. I don't get low with the lows. Uh, I'm trying to get better with that, especially the low side of it. Um, you know, so, no, I don't get the excitement that I used to get um, in the beginning. But, man, I just, you know, knocked it out of the park. I wrote 12 apps for eight grand. And, you know, wow, this is amazing. Now it's just, okay, let's not get too excited. You're going to lose some. You're, you're going to win some. And, you know, just keep it going. No, so I expect it. Um, at this point, and when I don't achieve what I set out to do, it's not the business. It's me. <laughs> you know, it's it's me. You know, I have definitely adjusted my, unfortunately, you know, probably not for the better, but I've, I've adjusted my um, work ethic, I guess. And, I, and it all kind of happened there after my brother had passed a little bit and you know, the business is the business. It's, it's going to be there. And so sometimes I forget about, I still have to, you know, manage that business and, you know, try not to put it on coast all the time. But, uh, no, I expect to hit my goals. And if I don't, I, I don't blame, 
you know, the leads or, or these damn people just keep telling me, no, nobody's buying anything. And No, it's me. It's all me. So I don't get high anymore off, you know, the joy of, uh, you know, having a monster week or, you know, if I have a, a bad week, which bad weeks happen, you know, uh, but they happen because of me. I allow them to happen. You, we talked, we touched on this earlier. Um, like you said, nobody's calling you and saying, Hey, Dion, you're, you're not working this week. What's going on? Um, we, we don't have anybody pushing us out the door. So what gives you drive? What pushes you out the door to go knock on some doors and give some presentations every week? You know, <laughs> we kind of talked about this earlier. I'm going to go back to my childhood. Uh, what gives me the drive? And again, I don't want to say I went without, but I don't ever want to come home and have the lights off or the water off or not be able to, you know, to tell my kid that, no, I'm sorry, you, you can't go to, you know, the Creighton University basketball game because I don't have an extra 25 bucks for a ticket or, you know, so, so really my kids, my wife, Uncle Sam, they're going to sugarcoat that. Uncle Sam's a motivating factor, you know, mortgage, all that stuff, you know. So it all plays a factor. But, you know, you can still just sit on your ass and do nothing and hope it all takes care of itself. But, you know, I hope that answers your question as far as, I mean, I've got a lot of different motivating factors. And uh, sometimes i got to put those into check. And, you know, hey, I do need to go work instead of, play another 18 with bill yeah you know i get it but uh let's look at the other side Uh, i think the opposite of of drive is contentment what brings you contentment what brings me contentment you know really i'm pretty simple man i don't go out uh you know i'm not a bar guy or a party guy where i need to go out and be entertained all the time or anything i just as long as I know I've got my bills paid, my kids are happy, they've got what they need, I'm pretty content. I mean, that's that's it. I try. You know, you know, yeah, there's more things I'd like to achieve, but all in all, in the grand scheme of things, my life's pretty dang good. And, uh, you know, so, I, so I'm content. Just, uh, unfortunately, sometimes just doing enough of what needs to be done in order for me to be able to spend that time, you know, with my family, you know, that's what it's all about for me. What's one story that your friends or your family always tell about you? <laughs> one story they always tell about me. Unfortunately, usually it goes back to sports a lot of the times, um, you know, but I'm, uh, I don't want to say I'm old school, but, you know, I, I've got, Six guys that, that we've all been friends since we were five and six years old. And you don't see that much nowadays. And so for whatever reason, all the stories they always talk about are, you know, from our youth. And, uh, boy, I've got a lot of stories, Tuck. I don't know if uh, some of them would be good here or not. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't really think of any one in particular. Um, you know, unfortunately, like I said, it always ends up going back to, you know, some athletic feat that I achieved growing up. And, uh, you know, now, now, now the story I get is, uh, I never work, <laughs> but you're doing better than you've ever done before. And you never work. How the hell that happened? Well, how can I do that? So <laughs> that, that's something they talk about quite a bit nowadays, but, you know, unfortunately I don't have any one, uh, 
poignant story for you. So uh, in in this business, we have to ask um, sensitive questions, you know, what's your Social Security number, what's your bank account information, um, but yep. also even back when you were uh, a waiter, uh, you had to remember orders and stuff like that. Did you actually use a pen and paper? Did you have it all in your head? Um, how have you perfected the art of asking a question? Well, you know, I will attribute that. Again, I hate to keep uh, going back. I attribute that to my, my late brother, Dino, uh, because that guy did more in his 41 years than anyone I ever knew. And he did so because he wasn't afraid to ask a question. And because the worst they can do is tell you, no, what's that going to hurt? Nothing. You know, so he, and he would always tell me that, you know, how did we end up on the sidelines of the Nebraska football games for seven years? Because my brother freaking asked Bellini, hey, you got to get us some sideline passes or not? You know, and just <laughs> come right up with it. So, you know, and uh, I, I've never been afraid to ask a question in the home or, I know, you know, in our conference calls that we've had in the past here, you know, other agents, you know, express their discontent with uh, asking, you know, uh, Social Security or beneficiary, things of that nature. It's it's never been an issue for me just because, you know, and maybe it's because I'm 100% Italian, so we like to talk, and I'm not afraid to talk to anybody in any setting. And so I've never never had any trouble asking someone, for their social security, it's part of the job. I mean, it's, uh, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. And if you want my help, I'm going to need that social security. <laughs> it's pretty easy. So if not, then uh, you can buy a policy through AARP or something of that nature. You know, so never been an issue for me, Tuck. Um, so I think a lot of that had to do with my, my upbringing and just always being very outgoing and not afraid to talk to anybody anywhere. So if uh, if you could go back to the future and give your, let's say, 22-year-old self one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> oh, and uh, place us. What were you, where were you, and what were you doing at 22? At 22, I was probably smoking pot somewhere, Tucker. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm just being honest with you. That's fine. Outside. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, at that point, I was working at Service Merchandise. I don't know if that's a store you're probably not familiar with. Maybe your dad's heard of it. The old, old department store or whatever. <clears throat> and, uh, yes, yeah, so at 22, my life looked pretty bleak. You know, I was worried about, like I said, you know, the next high or, uh, you know, just going into work just to collect a check, and uh, that was it. But uh, one thing that I've, if I could go back to 22 and have a talk with myself, it would just simply be don't listen to what other people have to say about you. Because I really don't care anymore what people say about me. It doesn't have any effect on me at all. And But for whatever reason, I used to let that just tear me up. And so-and-so said this, and I, I can never do this, or I can't do that because I'm too dumb or whatever. And, you know, I'll look at him. He's, you know. Yeah, so so that's one thing that I would uh, probably talk to myself about because now, I, you know, and, and I hear this often from people is you just don't really care what 
so-and-so said. I mean, aren't you upset about what they said? I don't care. I don't have time or the energy to worry about what other people feel I need to be doing or, you know, what I said or whatever. You know, I just, so that's something that uh, I'd probably go back and, you know, don't let uh, others kind of dictate the direction that I'm going to take. That's something that I would allow to happen quite often back then. And, uh, you know, the naysayers, I, I would I would use that. You know, now I've spin that completely around. I use that as fuel, whereas before, you know, it, it would break me down. And so that's something that I would, you know, go back and talk to myself about, I'd say. I love it. Let's uh, fast forward and, and do it again here. But uh, now you're old and gray and uh, retired and uh, life's pretty easy. What would you go back and tell yourself now? What piece of advice would you give yourself now at what are you you said you're 41 yep yep you know that's tough talk i suppose i mean you can look at a couple different angles um i i don't financially i'd say that uh you know saving is probably something that i'm late to the game on and uh so so that's something i try to instill in my kids is just, you know, the value of a dollar. And you don't always need to buy something, you know, because you feel you need it. You need to buy it or because you want it. You need something. You need to buy it because you need it. I mean, is this going to benefit you or not? Is it really, you know, is that, you know, that pair of shoes going to be thrown in the closet with, you know, 25 other pair of shoes? Or could you put that money into a, a savings account or an IRA or something of that nature? So that'd probably be something that, uh, you know, looking back on things, I wish I would have started saving earlier. Cool. You know, so, uh, we're, uh, I got just a few more questions here. These are going to be more, I call them quick draw questions. So the, uh, answers don't have to be quick, but hopefully the questions are a little quicker for you here. Uh, what's one experience that you believe everyone should try at least once? One experience everybody should try at least once. Other than standing on the sidelines at their favorite football team yeah. game because <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know that that's easily done. No, it's not. But, uh, you know, I'd have to say, geez, you know, this might sound kind of uh, weird, but and it's not going to happen for everybody. One of the most awesome experiences I ever had was watching my wife give birth to our first child. And I know a lot of my buddies that uh, refused to be in the room. And for me, that was a unique experience. And I know that kind of isolates, you know, some folks. And they may not, you know, might not be the answer you're looking for. But uh, that was an awesome experience for me. And they, uh, I'll touch base on one more. Jump out of a plane if you ever get a chance to. It's exhilarating. Have you done you know, Have you done that, Dion? Total, have you jumped yeah, out of an airplane? Yes, I have. Yes, I have, and it's, there, there's total fear, and I hate heights. <laughs> and let me tell you, it was so exhilarating, though. It was, I mean, I, I, when I get scared, I laugh. So I was just laughing uncontrollably the whole time. But, man, it was a blast. Would you and, do it again? And I, was, I definitely would do it again, definitely. Um, you know, there's a place only about 30 miles from here that uh, you know, we can do that. But, you know, now the... The father in me says that that's probably not something I should be doing at this point in my life. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. All right. So you mentioned uh, you're just now getting back into reading, but are there any books that you've read multiple times or uh, a book you find 
telling people, oh, you got to read such and such? <laughs> you know, <clears throat> no, there isn't, Tuck. I wish I had a better answer for you. No, um, uh, I just, uh, you know, for a long time there, reading was not important to me. It, you know, I felt, unfortunately, it was like I knew everything, and, and I don't know much. Let me tell you, but uh, Dion, it's no. interesting to me. Uh, we interviewed Darren a couple weeks ago, and Bill last week, and and you this week, and all three of you, uh, amazingly successful in a very very difficult business, and you guys don't read. That intrigues me. Now, now Bill says he he has ADD, so he can't read, but he reads articles. He can't read a book, but he can read articles. So, how have you gained? the wisdom, uh, the knowledge that you do have to create the success that you... Uh, I mean, I, I read a lot. I read every day. It's just something I've done pretty much all my life. When I'm driving, uh, my car never has the radio on. I'm always listening to a podcast. I'm listening to a book tape, something like that. So I just assumed, well, that's what I was taught You know, 40 years ago. If you're going to be successful, you have to read. So you guys are amazingly successful in, in what you love doing, but you haven't gained knowledge or wisdom from a book. How would you? I mean, obviously, you've gained from the school of hard knocks, but how else would you attain that? You know, good question, Jim. For me, it's you know, like I said, I've never been a reader. You know, I felt like I was forced to read. You know, through my parochial years, and uh, so it was nothing that I ever gravitated towards. You know, my wife's completely the opposite. She loves to read, but uh, you know, you kind of talked about the school of hard knocks and. So for me, I, I learned more interacting with people in all aspects, uh, whether it's in the business or personally. Um, you know, and so I, I I do a lot of observing of individuals' uh, you know manners and, and their character, and how they respond to a certain situation, and that's what I use as uh, you know an education for me. Um, that may not work for everybody. I know you know reading's good for you. I've never denied that just something I've never got off on. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, you know, reading the Bible, that's something I hadn't done since we had to do it back in, you know, high school and grade school. And, you know, sure, I go to church and I, you know, you know, we read little, you know, gospels and whatnot, but nothing, you know, so that, so that was kind of, you know, that was neat for me to, to kind of go back through that, you know, the, the number one best-selling book of all time, the Bible, and to read that. So that's where I started. But, uh, you know, just personal experiences is what's helped me grow and develop and, you know, just not being able to afraid to try something and that's it. Do you have any uh, specific morning rituals? Morning rituals. Well, you know, again, it's, uh, that's usually my personal time. So, you know, now my ritual is, you know, I've, Need to be at the gym between five and five thirty in the morning, you know, to, to get my body right. I use that as time to reflect on on my day, what I'm going to achieve. So you know, I kind of got away from, you know, I told you I, I do some weekly goals, but you know, in the morning that's when I'm going to reflect on, you know, what it is I'm going to try and obtain for that day. Um, so uh, you know, going to the gym, coming home, I'm going to eat my four egg whites every morning, no matter what. And, uh, you know, get breakfast ready for my kids and get them off to school at this point. And then, you know, here in the summer, those morning rituals will, will change to, uh, you know, 
I'll still be in the gym, but, you know, when I get home at that point, then it's going to be let's take the kids up to swimming. They, they, they all they all four swim, three of them swim competitively, and so they've got their practice at 8 a.m. in the summers, and so that'll be, you know, part of my morning ritual here coming up soon. Cool. And I enjoy the heck out of it. It's fun. What about, uh, like, evening or before bed? Do you have anything that you, you do every day before you turn out the lights? You know, unfortunately, I'm a political junkie, um, so I'm going to catch up on the politics for the day. It's something my wife can't stand. You know, so after after the kids are in bed, um, you know, the wife is usually reading a book or something, and I, I'm either, you know, surfing the web for, uh, you know, the political ongoings of the day or, or I'm turning on, uh, you know, the TV and kind of catching up for, you know. So I do listen to a lot, a lot of stuff on the radio. I like radio more than I do television. I'd rather, you know, listen to, you know, I'd rather listen to a baseball game than watch a baseball game because they paint a picture. So I really enjoy, you know, that. I know that's not an evening ritual, but, uh, you know, it will be here soon enough once my Cubs try to defend the World Series title that I waited so long for. And, uh, you know, but so, yeah, the evening and the morning, those are kind of my times for me. Uh, obviously, I do spend that, you know, the morning. My wife's not a, you know, big morning person. So that, that's, you know, solitude for me to, to do what I need to do to get my mind and body right. And in the evening, I'm just kind of sitting back and, you know, reflecting on the day. And, you know, I'll have regrets on maybe something I, I have said to one of my kids or, you know, maybe I didn't build them up when I needed to build them up instead of tearing them down. And so that's when I'll kind of reflect on things like that. But, uh, you know, that's kind of a, a long-winded answer to your question. But How do you do politics and kind of get worked up and then calm your mind down to go to sleep? <laughs> there's There's no way I could do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's difficult sometimes, especially with the current state of affairs. Um, you know, it's uh, I've got a few of my. Uh, you know, I'm I'm Republican, proud of it. I'm not afraid to admit that. I don't want to get political on here, but most of my friends and and you know, seventy percent of my neighborhood are solid left. You know, Democrats. And so I, uh, I'm able to talk with them, and uh, it helps me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we have some nice conversations. I don't get uh, – I'm not a rah-rah guy as far as, you know, uh, politically charged and using you know, derogatory terms when speaking of one party or the other. And I personally don't even think there should be parties because – I have, you know, left views and right views. So, you know, ultimately, I just try to take it all with a grain of salt and, you know, I'll unwind a little bit uh, before I go to bed. I'll usually switch it over to a little sports center or something, and that'll kind of get my mind off the politics. Sounds good. Do you have any uh, quotes or sayings or mantras or anything that are a, a constant reminder for you? Quotes? You know, it's funny. You know, Darren and I were talking about, uh, you know, we, we wish we'd have more Kinder Brother quotes because I'm sure Bill um, dropped a few of them on you. But uh, one thing that I, uh, you know, kind of I, I revisit, you know, daily, the sign that I haven't 
that I had made for my office, and it's you know it's kind of silly. It's not from any particular great philosopher or you know a, a you know a best-selling author or anything of that nature. It's from a fortune cookie, and it simply says, "You will obtain your goal if you maintain your course." That's it. Perfect. That's kind of a little mantra for me uh, that I use, and it's just all about keeping things in focus. Perfect. What are what's one to two things that uh, people can do or change in the next week or two that would have a drastic impact on their lives? Well, first and foremost, their attitude. Um, that's that's huge. And when I say attitude, it's not just so much your your outgoing, but your mental, your thought process, and what you're thinking. You know, my mom always taught me growing up that, you know, whatever you're thinking, that's that's what's going to happen. And if you're thinking that you're going to fail or you're going to lose this opportunity or you're going to, you know, fall behind and, and owe this money or blah, blah, then by golly, that's going to happen. So if you can change your thought process into a positive manner, you know, that I think you'll get immediately immediate results out of that. And, you know, depending on the individual, just quit blaming other people quit blaming society or, you know, your, your problems are not a result of, you know, who you interact with because you have the control, the ability to change who you interact with. And so if you're in a situation that you're uncomfortable or, you know, it's, it's negativity, negativity, change it, make a change. And so those, those two things for me, I think you can, you know, give anybody immediate results, but I'm a big Big believer in that first one as far as your your mindset and your attitude is going to go a long way in what you achieve in life. I love that. And you probably don't know this, but uh, growing up, my dad had all over his office, attitude is everything. They were even on his checks. He had pens made and stuff. So all over yeah. – all over his office when I was uh, I mean, starting probably when I was five years old to teenager. I mean, attitude is everything. I believe it. It definitely is. Uh, I, I think with attitude, attitude will overcome any form of education, in my opinion. That's just me. That's the way I feel about it. Because um, if you're not confident in something, you're, you're going to fail. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's number one priority for me is attitude. And it and it can work in both directions too. I mean, you know, you got that negative attitude; negative things are going to occur. You know, you got the positive attitude; then positive things are going to occur, and it happens immediately. It may be just something simple, and you may overlook it. Um, you know, but attitude is key. So, do you have any uh, podcasts, books, resources, websites, anything that you think people need to check out or or go go look? You know, uh, <clears throat> again, unfortunately, not a big book guy. No, I don't do any podcasts. I, uh, you know, so, something I started getting into uh, a little bit here is uh, Grant, Grant Cardone. I don't know if you're familiar with Grant Cardone or not, um, but uh, you know, he was a C A R D O N E. Yep. Okay. Grant Cardone. He may, he may rub some people the wrong way, but he's all about attitude. He's a very excitable guy, but this, you know, he was, uh, you know, a 30-year-old drug addict, broke, and, you know, homeless. Now he's a billionaire, and he did so by selling himself. He talks about selling himself a lot, you know, because in sales, it doesn't matter what the product is or, you know, what 
you know, monetary value it brings somebody or not. They're buying Dion Masoli or Tucker Mall. And so if you can't sell yourself, then you, you may as well get out of the industry, whatever form of sales you're in, because anybody can, you know, sell insurance, in my opinion, but uh, not, not everybody can be successful at it if you don't, uh, you just don't believe in yourself and sell yourself. And be honest with yourself, too. Don't, don't over-promise. Um, so Grant Cardone is someone that I've been just here in the last couple of months, uh, just kind of stumbled upon him, and uh, he's really energetic, and he's now, you know, like I said, he, he's, he's gone from rags to riches, and that's not what intrigues me about him. It's just his, his message and his mindset. And, again, it goes back to, you know, what's your dad's? whole, uh, you know, premise, you know, with you growing up, it's attitude, all about attitude. And so that's someone I've been drawn to, and I've actually, you know, uh, this may not, you know, I don't consider it reading, but, I, you know, a couple of his audio books that I, when I'm on the road, I'll, I'll have going. And uh, so if you haven't uh, explored any anything about Grant Cardone or his motivational teachings, uh, I would look into that. That's someone that's kind of changed things for me here recently cool yeah, i guess he's got a podcast too so might want to check out oh yeah grant cardone's yep, podcast he's got a but... podcast yep cool yep, definitely uh, i got so. i got one more question uh before we get to that where can people find you do you do twitter or facebook or anything like that you know recently i got on the twitter but yeah facebook is probably uh for social media that that's what i'll use as facebook um, and I'm an open book. Anybody can contact me. You know, my contact info is on my Facebook page. And so, you know, that, that's the, you know, I prefer the old-fashioned method of a phone call. Um, so I got no problem. I know Botch, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a couple of different guys that were, you know, tiptoeing around the business just reach out to me. I didn't know them from a hole in the wall, but I've got no problem sharing, you know, my, uh, I don't want to say my knowledge, but my information in regards you know, to the business and if they want uh, further opinions and I'll give them that too. <laughs> <laughs> cool. What would you like your personal legacy to be? Whew, boy, that is a tough one. It's a big one. And it's, it is a big one. And I'll tell you what, man, it's been, uh, it's been something that I've been struggling with and I'm going to go back to it again. But since my brother died, the legacy that my brother left, if I could live up to that, man, I would be the happiest guy alive because his, his service, I never, you know, I, it was crazy. I mean, there were, you know, senators and mayors, governors and, you know, athletic directors for Division One programs and football coaches and, you know, priests and nuns and freaking people from, you know, black, white, Asian, it didn't matter. People from all walks of life were there that I never knew he knew or met or had any interaction with and just... You know, the the legacy that he left behind, if I could live up to that, as far as his ability to make people feel special and, and his, the giving qualities that he had, that's what lamented with everyone that was there. And his service was over six hours long because of that, that amount of people that were there. It was just, it was insane. And, and so uh, that's something where I've been like, man, what would happen if I died tomorrow? What would people be thinking about me? And I don't know, Tuck. I really don't know. You know, I try to be a good person. I'm not always a good person. I'm not always nice to everybody. You know, I'm not perfect by any means at all. 
I have a lot of flaws. So, so I don't know what, uh, you know, what my legacy would be, but if it could be, you know, half of what my brother created, uh, as far as, you know, that outlook and how people felt connected with him, whether they only had one encounter with him or saw him every day, you know, there was a guy that, uh, uh, his son is a paraplegic and he was, uh, just in the restaurant eating dinner. But my brother went up to this kid and talked to him just one afternoon when they were in there for lunch, a guy and a son that he'd never seen before. And spent about 10 minutes just talking to this kid. And I don't know what was said, but it was very touching because, you know, my brother died two years after this interaction. And this guy made it a point to show up at the restaurant about two weeks after the service just to tell my dad how proud he should be of his son and the things that he said to my kid in a 10-minute conversation have been life-changing for him from that point moving forward. And so, you know, if I could have that effect on people, that'd be a hell of a legacy. That's awesome. Hey, thanks so much for being on here. You've been great. And uh, if there's anything else that you want to share, let us know. I appreciate it, guys. And if you're ready to get in the business, we've got a great opportunity for everyone here. Well, we're pretty down to earth, in my opinion, and we're not going to sugarcoat things. And, you know, it is what it is. We're going to kind of tell you black and white. So, Dion, great job. Thank, thank you guys both. Thanks for your time, buddy. This is awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you both. All right. We'll see you later. Take care. Bye. Stop by com. That's the number one, A-N-D-D-O-N-E, training.com. There, you'll find our blog, media library, and ongoing training to help with your final expense career. Thanks. We'll see you there.